This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, Elon here with a little midweek Keeping Carlson bonus content for you. We've mentioned this a few times on the show. You may have heard we started a new thing this season where we've been recording an extra mailbag episode every week where we answer the most pressing midweek questions as voted on by our patrons, the patrons of Keeping Carlson. These episodes are available exclusively to our patrons, but we've decided to give you guys a little taste a little sample so you could see if maybe you want to get in on our mailbag episodes every week. So just so you know, our podcast is supported mostly by listener pledges. So if you enjoyed the show and you think it's worth a few bucks each month to you, we'd be happy to offer you these weekly episodes and a bunch of other perks in return. You can join the ranks of our patrons by heading over to keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Enjoy the show. of questions here thanks to everyone who joined us live this is elon brian's here he is he is this is confirmation that brian is here the whole gang is here elon was just making fun of me off the air because a i watch a television show as it airs and b i watch it as it airs via an over the air antenna which of those do you think is funnier like, uh, is that what the new start of the mailbag show should be? Just our personal conversations just no. being shared with the pages have nothing to do about hockey. But OK, no, uh, but yeah. you still you still have this like this tone in your voice where you're still like quietly mocking me. Well, it's just funny. Brian was like, we need to finish by eight because he wants to watch Survivor. And just for me, it's been a long time since I've watched a television show while it aired, aside from a hockey game, which I use NHL Game Center to watch. And then Brian's like, oh, no, I have an antenna that he got for $10 off Kijiji. I'm just imagining like he's got a little TV from like the 60s. And then, you know, if all of a sudden the reception is back, like bangs on the TV and it's like, oh, why isn't it working? And then he has his wife like sort of hold the antenna in a certain part of the room because he knows then he'll get reception. And it's then I not, guess it's not like the, an old school rabbit ears situation. It's like a, a very sleek, flat panel. You don't even see it. It's up wow. against the window and it only gets one channel. And then you get to see the commercials and learn about what to buy, what what cars are popular nowadays. And I, admit, the- I admit that the commercials stink and we have none on this mailbag show. This is like the Elon's version of Survivor. I don't know what that means. Let's get started. We have <laughs> questions we want to get to and we have to finish by Survivor and we've got some good ones. Okay, so we have five Awesome questions from the patrons about, guess what? Fantasy hockey, not about Survivor, not about Brian's TV. So let's start with question number one. Um, Who are the best? Oh, yeah. From Joe, who are the best waiver wire D options now? And he gave a couple of examples. Martinez, Dumba, dot, 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 question mark. 
So, okay, obviously it's a pretty open-ended question. It depends a lot on your categories, how deep your league is. In some leagues, you know, you may see Brandon Montour as a free agent. In some leagues, he may have been drafted and you have no chance to ever see him. So I'll give the, you know, for a somewhat deep league with a standard categories, we could go down the list of some people that I think might be available that you might want to look at. Brian, I've got my list. Should I just go through that and you'll comment on it and then you'll share who you have? Yes, yeah, start with your list. I have a much smaller list, so I'm curious to see if we do combine on the four or five names that I have picked out. Okay. Well, you know, it, it's a mailbag slash patron cast tradition of mine. I need to have at least one question where I get to make a list of things, and then you could complain that the list is too long. So, okay, I mentioned him. Let's put him out there. Brandon Montour on Anaheim. He played on the top power play yesterday, obviously, with Fowler injured, Vatanen injured. There's not too many other options. Lindholm actually came back yesterday and he got an assist so he might also be someone on your wire that you might want to look at he played on the second power play at a power play assist which is good so and Hampus Lindholm someone who used to get a lot of buzz in fantasy hockey but then last year it seemed like he was really used in a defensive capacity everyone says oh he's the best actual defenseman on the team but he only ended up with like 20 something points didn't seem very fantasy relevant but who knows maybe this year things will be different so I would watch Lindholm but if I had to grab someone right now in Anaheim it would be Montour though Sammy Vatnin could be back as early as the next game. So you could also watch him. Maybe he takes the top power play spot. So a lot of potential people to play on the power play with Ryan Getzlaff, who is back. And I think that power play could be pretty good if you've got Getzlaff back and, you know, Corey Perry and Raquel and whoever else gets up there. So that's the Anaheim contingent of my list. Good. Keep going. All right. So, uh, Brian, you messaged me about Demers on, oh, which apparently that's not how you pronounce his name. Jason Demers. I assumed it was Demers and he was French, but... Anyway, on Arizona, he was playing on the top power play along with um, Oliver Ekman-Larsen, and he had a three-game point streak, but now he's pointless in the last two, and he actually wasn't on the top power play yesterday. So I'm just going to mention him as someone that you might be thinking is someone good at the top of your waiver wire for D, but actually I wouldn't take him. I wanted to put him there for completeness. Uh, But a guy who is there, though, but you know one's thinking about is this guy Victor Antipin, who I saw was on the top power play for Buffalo yesterday with Rasmus Ristolainen, and he got an assist. Super low ice time, but like high power play time. So like another Will Butcher, I guess. So he's someone maybe you could look at if you're looking for some points. And who knows, maybe his ice time goes up as the games go by. I don't really know much about Victor Antipin. I think we mentioned him at one point in one of the like leading into the season prospect shows. He's one of these guys who's come from, I think, the KHL or from somewhere. He's older, but he's new to the NHL. Uh, Okay, Uh, I've got Noah Hannafin. On my list, Brian, by the way, feel free to jump in like throughout if you want, but otherwise I'll just keep going. Hannafin, I don't know, he might not be available on a lot of waiver wires, so it kind of depends how deep it is, but he's been seeing around 50% of power play time. Like Caroline has been going sort of 50 50, has four points in seven games. You know, he came in, he was drafted really high. He came in with a pedigree. Maybe this is the year where he gets to, you know, I don't think he's going to be a 50 point defenseman, but maybe he could hit, hit 35, 40 if things break right. So he's someone to look at depending how deep your league is. Um, a couple sort of peripherals guys who could get you points, but so far have been snake bitten and maybe dropped Eric Johnson and Johnny Boychuk. So Johnson actually played on the top power play yesterday for Colorado. Obviously no points. He really hasn't gotten any points. He only has one assist in nine games, but he has 21 shots. He hits and blocks. So Eric Johnson is good. And, and uh, Boychuk, same thing, right? He has no points at all, but 24 shots on goal in nine games. So you'd think at some point, one of these shots is going to go in or someone will cash in on a rebound from one of those shots and they both get peripherals to help you even if you're not getting the points. Should I keep going? Yeah, which, which what was the last one you were talking about? Eric Johnson and Johnny good. Boychuk. Good, that's exactly who I had. I'm like, that sounds a lot like them, but I missed the name. Eric Johnson and Johnny Boychuk both do a lot for you peripherally if you can stand 
the loss of points, at least in the short term, Boychuk probably a little longer. Like maybe he'll get 35 slowly over the course of the year. Johnson, there's a little more hope that he can get more than that. But they will get you blocks and shots in the meantime, which is a, at least they're not doing nothing. Elon, I also had Hannafin on my list as somebody who's on a fairly competitive second power play unit. And I mean competitive in terms of how close talent-wise it is to the top unit and as someone who still can overtake Justin Falk. It's been a while since Justin Falk has been on an impressive run. So I feel like with every passing day until Justin Falk does something impressive, the spot becomes more and more ripe for the taking. Uh, Jason Demers, I also had on my list. Someone who's playing Elon on on the top power play. You probably mentioned this already. No, but you weren't paying attention because I said that he wasn't on the top power play in the last game. And I Uh, actually put him in the list for completion's sake. But I actually (laughs) would say not to add him, even though I had a feeling Brian was going to add him. Thank you. I was too busy. I was too busy talking about my antenna in the chat to really focus in. That that was a bad choice on my part. Uh, So Jason Demers was uh, a better option when he was playing on that top unit. So watch to see. If he gets back on it, his peripherals aren't as good as some of the other guys um, that you've mentioned, but I feel like they can come and yeah. the Arizona unit is going to score. If you're, st- if he is playing on that top power play unit and you're like Eric Johnson, Johnny Boychuk are going to start getting points because their, their teams will start or like they'll get in on a goal every so often. Demur is on that top unit should also as well. Although I you can't just- really imagine the, the offense really going through him. Like he's not going to be, it's not going to be your automatic like 40 points that you'd expect from a top unit defenseman. Yeah. Also with uh, Eric Johnson and Johnny Boychuk, I like how they're taking a lot of shots. Like Demers wasn't doing that. So just being in a good place is something, but, and he had a little bit of a point streak. So sure, maybe, but he's not on the top power place. So forget him for now. I'll throw out a couple other names. Then we could go on to the next question in the question itself. Matt Dumba was mentioned. I'm kind of over Matt Dumba at this point. I feel like when he came in, he was someone who was shooting and he looked like he could be a good option that could potentially overtake Suter or Spurgeon one day. It doesn't look like it's happening. He's on the second power play. Both Suter and Spurgeon have been on power play one. And like Dumba, what? He has two assists in seven games, only eight shots in seven games. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really so into him. I'd, pr- I'd prefer some of these other guys that I've mentioned. Uh, there's this guy, Tim Heed, who we talked about on the podcast last Sunday, who was on the top power play on San Jose and he got a power play goal actually on monday so uh who knows how long that'll last but he's someone i would take among these guys if you're looking for a short-term ad and then this guy's probably not available but just in case take a look actually i've got two guys who i think are probably not available but would have been a week ago or two weeks ago so mikhail sergachev on tampa bay is just destroying he's got nine points in 10 games now he's probably gone but if he's not i feel like you have to add him he even got a decent amount of power play time last game we're going to talk about headman in a little bit Looks like Hedman might have some competition in Mikhail Sergachev. And then also Michael Delzato is really coming on strong lately. He's now up to five points in nine games, 23 shots. He's taking a ton of shots. He also blocks. Like he's a peripherals guy. He's like a, you know, Eric Johnson, but that's actually getting some points. So I would definitely grab Michael Delzato if you still can. And that's my yeah. list. Yeah. It's it's weird. Vancouver, Vancouver is bewitched me this year so why not go for Delzato things seem to be going well for him as they have honestly for a little while now when he gets proper deployment he puts up pretty fancy relevant numbers especially if your league counts blocks so good recommendation Elon the only guy the only other guy well I had CC on my list although his role is going to diminish a little bit so he's not going to put up I don't expect him to put up the same block numbers that he had while Carlson was out and uh, way going back way to the start of your answer, Elon, 
maybe Hampus Lindholm, Sammy Vatanen. Keep an eye on the Anaheim situation. Right now, there are four guys in Anaheim, Lindholm, Vatanen, Montour, and Manson, who can all be rosterable depending on how they're deployed and how much ice time they get. So keep an eye on all four of them for sure. Okay, next question. We've got Ryan asking, with Reimer looking to get the crease to himself, at least for the near future, what goalies do you think he outranks? I.e., would you rather have Reimer or Ranta, Varlamov, etc.? I guess, Brian, we'll have to fill in the blanks for who that etc. is. I have some guesses. Uh, yeah, so Luongo's injured. And the fact that so, like Florida made their claim on Antti Niemi as the new backup, I guess, while Luongo's gone. Pittsburgh got rid of him just like I predicted they would as they should have, and I have no idea why Florida thinks that Niemi's going to be a good option for them. Definitely, when Niemi plays his first game for Florida, I would recommend playing Daily Fantasy, playing on FanDuel, and, uh, oh yeah, Brian promised no commercial. This isn't a commercial. I'm saying play on any Daily Fantasy service you want. Doesn't matter if it's one that we mentioned on the show or not, and just pick all the people on the team playing Florida because I predict a shelling. But anyway, Reimer, okay, Reimer, it's tough. Right, he's he's been having an up and down season so far. He had just like recently he had that big win versus Washington, stopping forty one of forty two shots, like amazing against one of the top offensive teams. Then yesterday he got like beaten up by the Habs, who I would have thought would have been one of the easier games for him. Five goals against, so it's kind of tough to tell in the short term, like if Reimer has you know settled in yet and is going to be okay as a starting goalie. But I mean, if you look at his last couple of years, he had nine twenty save percentage last year, nine twenty two the year before. You know, didn't play a, a whole ton of games those seasons, but he played a decent number of games. He clearly still has skill. I think he could settle in and be good. Florida, though, like their defense is actually, we, li- we like to make fun sometimes of some teams, Brian, where we can't name defensemen on the team. So, Brian, let me challenge you. Don't don't look it up or anything. I, I count two easy defensemen to guess on Florida. One, like pretty easy one to guess. And then the rest are all like really hard to guess for me. So let's see how many you could guess. Uh, Ekblad. Yeah. Yandel. So you got the two easy ones. Matheson. That was my like sort of easy one. Now you get into the hard ones. Is Good Branson not back there? Not not that I saw. Oh man. Maybe he's not St. Louis? No. This is embarrassing That's putting me on the spot. Oh I wouldn't have gotten it. We got Alex guessing in the chat room McGowan, which uh, I don't even have on this list. I was using the depth chart over on uh, Roto World to get my list. I've got uh do you want me to tell you, Brian? Oh, 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 I know one. The guy that was traded for, um, no, I don't Alex, know one. Sorry. Alex, Alex just guessed one. Uyghur, someone named Uyghur. Okay, wait, Alex needs to explain himself, like what, how he knows this. How much Panthers hockey has he been watching? <laughs> There's Petrovic, uh, Pisic, Mikoshin, Uyghur. So anyways, the point is... <laughs> I don't know why Florida traded Demers to Arizona. That seems like it was a really stupid move. Well, why did Florida do anything that they've done? Like, you can go back the last 11, 12 moves ever since the end of last season. Nothing has made sense that they've chosen to do. You look at their top six. It's not that deep. Their top nine looks very thin. Their decor is thin. Their goaltending looks unresolved. Adding Antiniemi is just the latest in a long line of weird things. But to go back to the question... Reimer, where do we rank him? I'd probably have him, if I was doing some more goalies board right now, I'd probably have him in my party tier, tier four, where he's got upside with risk. For context, I had Luongo in tier six to start the year as a 1A whose job was in jeopardy, who was getting older. And on top of all that, I think he overperformed last year. So I was expecting a dip. Reimer, 
little younger. Now he has the starting job for sure for as long as the long goes out. So as long as he's starting for Florida, I have him around the same place as I had at the start of the year. Now this is, again, this is my tier four at the start of the year. It's already shifted. Uh, Ranta, Vasilevsky, Allen, Darling, Bishop, Laner. I have him around those guys' pre-year values. Uh, Jones, Quick, Gibson, Rask, Lundqvist, that sort of group. Wow. Where does he rank with those guys? I'd say he's like middle of the pack. Remember, I think I mentioned this on the show, like we're going to see peaks and valleys. He might, at the end of the day, put up an above average save percentage, but you also need to be a little careful that he's going to occasionally blow up your stats as he did recently to a very goal-starved Montreal team. Yeah, so it sounds like, though, you're saying, as an answer to Ryan's question, you have him above all the goalies that he listed, right? Because he was saying amongst goalies like Ranta, Varlamov, I was going to throw in like the Jimmy Howards, Markstrom slash Nilsson, who maybe you might want to talk about. I know you're very high on Nilsson right now. But like, you know, like uh, all the goalies you mentioned are in a tier like above those guys. So do you have Ranta? I mean, sorry, do you have... um Reimer above like Varlam like I would I was actually gonna say that I have Varlamov ahead of Reimer right now maybe you'll laugh at me but I think like at, at some point you just have to be like Varlamov's on a roll Colorado's on a roll like they just beat Dallas yesterday like ride it out I wouldn't go I think I would go with Varlamov right now I'm, ha- I'm happy with him and then I would say like uh Reimer right behind him but then I would have Reimer above the other guys like above Ranta even though I feel like with Ranta he's getting a raw deal because he you know had like one bad game I guess and then he got injured so he could be good, but Arizona's looking a little shaky. So it's hard to know. That's a riskier guy. So I would definitely want Reimer over him. And I'd have also Reimer over Howard, Markstrom, Nielsen. But you have him, I guess, in a tier above these guys. Because I had imagine you're going to say that you would want Reimer above Varlamov right now. No, no. Those were the guys' preseason values. So I, I'm sort of rewinding the tape, ignoring everything that's happened so far and trying to value him according to... I, that's probably a useless exercise, though. So you're right to, to push me towards a more relevant answer. Uh, no, I'd, I'd have Varlamov probably in the same spot as him. And I'd have him probably ahead of Laner. I'd have him ahead of the other guys you mentioned, like Jimmy okay. Howard and well, Markstrom. But Varlamov seems like a pretty fair comparison at the moment. So Ryan probably is asking because he's probably going to choose one of these goalies. <laughs> based so, on their preseason values? No, based on right now, <laughs> Varlamov or Reimer. I, I put my hat in the Varlamov. Uh, wait, I put my vote in the Varlamov hat. What's that saying? I put my paper in the Varlamov hat. You crumple it up and you put it in the Varlamov hat. It's, uh, that's a really hard one. I'm, I'm going to go even. I might be overcorrecting <laughs> myself from getting overexcited or interested by Colorado's start. I think there is regression to come. And you're probably looking at the same thing from Varlamov. If he stays healthy, he can put up an above average save percentage with a lot of peaks and valleys. A little... Okay, I'll go with the the more exciting upside in Varlamov. Okay, I think they're close also. But yeah, even doesn't help if they're both free agents and you need to add one. Uh, okay, it, yeah, that's why the summer series, I guess in some ways, was easier, right? Because we were able to sort of talk in abstract. Now it's like people are asking the serious questions of this guy or this guy. Uh, all right, next question. We've got one from Xpingu, one of our favorite Twitter followers converted to patron recently. I like this question also. So Hedman is not producing like a top D-man. Is it because of how good Stamkos is? Is it time to sell his name before it's too obvious? So yeah, I hadn't really noticed, but Hedman only has five points 
in 10 games. And this is with Tampa Bay scoring like a million goals every game. Like there's been so many goals scored that he hasn't gotten in on. Like five points in 10 games looks bad overall. Like that looks like, you know, a 40 whatever point pace when he had 70 last year. But it's even worse when you consider how many goals Tampa has scored. Plus, in six of Hedman's last seven games, he only has one shot. Then there was one game there where he had three shots. Like, he started the year's first three games. He had 14 shots in the first three games. And then lately, he's just a one-shot guy, a point every couple of games. You know, a very replacement-level defenseman in terms of numbers. Now we're seeing Sergachev also come on and heat up. So is this just like Hedman's had some bad luck and he's going to start pouring on the points soon and getting in on the offense? Or is there actually something different happening this year? And is Hedman not going to be the... Like, we already said going into the season, he might not hit 70 again, but I think you were pretty confident, and I agreed, that he should be good for 60 points. Do we still feel that way, or is something convincing us that that's not the case anymore? As strange as it may seem, there aren't any huge red flags. Now, the one big difference between this year and last is that he's playing with Jake Dotchin so far the most at even strength, whereas for the past few years, his partner has been Anton Strawman, including last year when he put up uh, his fantastic season, which, by the way, was, of course, on the strength of power play points. But he still had a more successful even strength year than he's set to have right now. Hedman has just one secondary assist. As his only point in 10 games of even strength play, that's not great. But I look at everything else. I look for warning, you know, red flags and warning signs. I don't see anything. He has a low IPP. If you regress his IPP back to what you'd expect it to be, which right now it's at 30. I think it'll be somewhere between 50 and 60 this year at even strength. Uh, You regress it and the extra couple points that he gets, if you regress it, that makes his pace jump a fair amount because we're really still getting our feet wet this year in terms of games played. So you wouldn't be more concerned even if just one or two more bounces went his way. Um, at even strength, everything still looks about the same in the numbers that the, that the, like in the Lightning's numbers as a team while he's on the ice. He has a small negligible drop in shots on goal for 60 minutes and a small bump in individual expected goals for 60 minutes. So all that to say... Even strength, the one, two noticeable differences. One, he's playing with Dotchin instead of Strawman. The other is that he has a low IPP. The low IPP will bounce back. I haven't seen enough to know if Dotchin is going to be as useful a partner or as reliable or whatever. Whatever Strawman provided had made it even strength. If Dotchin can provide that or more or less. Then looking at his power play role, haven't seen him take enough shots yet to really clarify his power play role and, and see where exactly on the ice he's hanging out because the data I look at does focus on where shots are coming from. Uh, There's actually one interesting thing is that on the power play, there's a big jump in his on ice shots, shot attempts per 60 minutes and his on ice shots for per 60 minutes and his on ice expected goals for per 60 minutes. Now the, the quandary is, is that these numbers have all gone up. So Tampa essentially showing a bunch more pucks towards the net on the power play while Hedman's on the ice And they were expected to score more goals, however, compared to last year. However, his own numbers have really not moved the needle at all. His own individual power play numbers are stable or like a little bit better for the most part. So Tampa is becoming more offensive on their power play with Hedman on the ice. But Hedman himself is staying pretty steady. I'm not sure if that means there's more offense happening that he's not being a part of or if it's just a a weird quirk of the first little bit of the season. So that's something we'll keep an eye on. All all in all, all to say, I I still think Hedman's probably good for 55, 
60 points and yeah, what we said before the season, but there was that mystery upside of 70 points attached to it. It's hard to even like, if you want to sell him for, for value, like think of his name, you're not going to get the, the value you get in return. Everybody was skeptical to start with for a 70 point upside. So you're not going to get that back in a trade now. Uh, But if you can still get 55 points worth of a defenseman back in as a return, sure, go for it. But I would not trade him thinking he's going back to like 45 or 50 points. You see, you would trade him for like a 55 point guy, you're saying? That even seems... I would trade him as a 55, 60 point defenseman. So that's super valuable. Let me give you some names. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alex Pitrangelo, 11 points in nine games so far. Who would you rather have moving forward? Hedman. All right. John Klingberg, nine points in nine games. Hedman. All right. So right now there's really not many people to trade <laughs> yeah, for. I, you know, I, I still think he stands out as the third best defensive option offensively. I know the early returns have been bad. And yeah, like I could be wrong. I could be holding out too long, being overly conservative and and thinking, yeah, just just wait it out while you can go and grab Petrangelo. But the thing is, this this question's about making a trade. There's no way those owners make that deal right now. Maybe. Well, you would, it sounds like. If you had Petrangelo, you wouldn't trade him for Hedman? It sounds like you would. Uh, I'm. You know what? I can't say I would. I might. If I had him, I'd have a really hard time giving him up also. Like, I'm not going to trade for a low Hedman right now. I would want to see him do better especially if my guy is doing a lot better. If he's doubling Hedman in points, I probably wouldn't make that deal until I see a little more proof that Hedman's going to be okay. Like I said, there aren't any red flags and he should be doing better. It's just not there yet. And I'd like to, I'd like to have a little bit more of concrete actual production on the table that I'm trading for. All right. Well, there you go. That's your answer, Xpingu. And in the chat room, Brian, you've got some people who want to bet you on it. Alex uh, disagrees and said, there's a changing of the guard happening, I guess, in Tampa, and Brian needs his antenna adjusted. Uh, bringing it back. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, Brian's looking at the deep numbers, people. I don't know. I, I have there's to nothing say, wrong. You're really, you're really putting me on the spot, like, by comparing him to those guys. I wasn't ready for that. I was just ready to say, yeah, Hedman's still going to be okay. I need a little more time to really uh-huh. consider those offers. Well, Xpingu asked, is it time to sell his name before it's too obvious? That's who you'd be trying to sell for, right? One of these people that you think might be actually better. Like, that's what you do, I assume. Yeah, anyway. well, of course it depends. Yeah, it depends on the return. I like I Instead of going for other guys, like, there's a whole other host of questions attached to Petrangelo and Klingberg. And, you know, like, you, you're asking me to dig deep into those numbers, too, right. which I would. Had 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 I had the opportunity to consider those trades for now, right. I would say trade Hedman as it, as you would any other 55, 60 point defenseman. Don't worry that the sky is falling and he's only going to give you 45 or 50. All right. So, yeah, post it in the Facebook group, Xpingu, or, or uh, you might not be in it, but like whatever. Ask us on Twitter or something uh, about a specific trade and we'll look into it more. Or maybe we'll bring it up also on our next patron cast or the mailbag or the next regular episode. OK, let's go to the next question here. Brian, I'm sorry I put you on the spot. Is it for just for fun? No, it's it's okay. One other thing, I'll, yeah, I'll just throw two in more there. questions. By the way, I know, I know. I'll go really quickly. Um, the early returns on Hedman and Dochin are not great in terms of their shot attempts for percentage. Hedman is only sporting a, a 47 percent Corsi four percentage, and that's a huge drop. Like he's known as one of the be- league's better defensive defensemen, even with his offensive acumen. He's usually around like 53, 54. So. Uh, so that might be impacting him too. 
Okay. It's like we a need- situation. More shots against. I I haven't looked. I'll look more into those for the next show. Okay, we'll bring up Hedman on the next show. It's a, it's a tough one. Well, some more data would be nice, obviously. It's hard to give advice right now based on seven games of data. Like, even if Brian finds something, it's been seven games. Everything could change. Uh, okay, next. From, oh, a question without an asker. You didn't include your name. Oh, you're not going to get the credit for your great question. Will the Coyotes be bad forever? Max Domi and Ranta are free agents, and I am racked with indecision. So I think it's an interesting question because uh, Domi has seven points in nine games. So even if the Coyotes are bad, there's no reason not to get Max Domi. He's been fine. Like Clayton Keller has been great, 10 points. So I'm not sure why you need to be indecisive about Max Domi just because the Coyotes haven't bad unless I guess you're really concerned about his plus minus. I didn't look into that. But yeah, he has 26 shots. Domi seems good. Um, Ranta is the interesting one, right? So seems to me like this is the lowest he's ever going to be in terms of his value. Like he's injured. He had a bad game to start the year. Arizona's losing. I'd imagine Ranta's going to get healthy. And, you know, Brian, you said on the last show how it's a new coach and new players, and maybe they're still sort of working things out over in Arizona. So once they have a healthy goalie and they have some more time to work together and get to know how to play with each other, I'd imagine Ranta's value goes up. So if you can get him now for cheap, then go for it. Like, I'm not dropping Reimer or Varlamov for him, as we discussed earlier, but if you could pick up Ranta now as a free agent and give up basically nothing, then I think now's the time to get him. My guess is by the end of the season, Ranta's going to be more valuable than both those goalies. Arizona, I, I think I went on to it, went into it on the last show. Everything's new there. A lot of an experience, a lot of new players playing together, new coach. Eight games is a long time to be miserable for, and that's even too long to ask for a new coach. If you look around the league, uh, Vegas is obviously clicking. Buffalo is not. In any case, Arizona has some some signs pointing that they are going to bounce back. Uh, they're bottom third team in the league in power play time right now. Uh, they're they're the fourth lowest. They carry the fourth lowest PDO in the league, which is bad, but it also is good because it means their percentages are bound to rise. Rise uh, having an actual starting goalie in net versus Louis Domingue and Aiden Hill is going to help them with that. Their shooting percentage is also due to rise a little bit. They should be scoring more both at even strength and on the power play. They will bounce back. They have not done very well in the shot attempts battle, which is a little concerning, but they still should not be having this much difficulty winning games. Okay. I like it. Basically, you're saying all the numbers are pointing to they've had some bad luck and with some good goaltending, they should do better. So yeah, I like the idea of grabbing Ranta and I don't know why you wouldn't grab Domi because he's doing fine. Okay, last question from Eric T. Does Nazem Kadri not get enough love in the streets? Uh, you know what, Brian? I want to admit that I've let the listeners down. I've never given Nazem Kadri enough credit. <laughs> Every year I'm wrong. I always think he's not that big a deal. And I, I think I figured it out. Like, he's, you know, always he's on the third line. And I just have this thing in my brain that's like, don't go for a guy who's on the third line. Because, you know, if, if you look at Toronto, it looks to me like the third line, right? You have Matthews, Nylander, Hyman, like Austin Matthews. That's line one, because that's Matthews. Then I've always assumed the JVR, Bozak, Marner line, or I guess recently uh, Connor Brown. But, you know, I've always assumed that was line two. So then you've got Kadri, Komarov, Marlowe as the next line. But with Toronto, it's not really like that. Like, they all get decent ice time. They're all getting similar amounts of power play time. And, like, Kadri has nine points in nine games, and we haven't even talked about him at all on the podcast. Like, what? Like l- last episode, we did a whole thing about Marner and how he's been slumping and what we think is going to happen with him. Then I brought up another couple Toronto guys. Didn't even think to bring up Kadri, because I suck, and I always overlook Kadri. So you are right, Eric T. Uh, I, he is not getting enough love on, on my streets, 
on Bay Street in Toronto. <laughs> I was uh, actually going to ask when you started your answer by apologizing. Like, I was wondering if you had walked past Nazem Kadri on the street and, like, you didn't give him a high five or a pat on the back for the game he had last night. Our pattern with Nazem Kadri has been me convincing you to draft him and then you give up on him pretty early. That's what's happened for the last few years. I am also guilty of that to some extent. I did not, like, I held on to him longer than you. I was collecting those wonderful shots on goal, but eventually I dropped him. And then, of course, uh, someone else uh, gathered the fruits of his labor. So he's a very good hockey player. He plays an important role on Toronto. And uh, he deserves, he deserves that high five from you in the streets. Yeah, well, there's a restaurant called Paramount on Young Street, and there's a picture of him in there. I think he either, like, owns part of it or has been there. I don't know. But uh, if I'm going to try to find him, I think I'll go to Paramount on Young Street. And if I see him, I'm going to give him a five, and I'm going to apologize for not giving enough, him enough love on keeping Carlson. Brian, there we go. Another mailbag show in the books. I love these mailbag shows. They're so tight and fast, and we get through so much. I hope you guys enjoyed it. The listeners, obviously, we're doing it for you as the patrons of our podcast. We'd love to hear feedback about what you think about this mailbag show. If you want to change anything about the format, this is your show, and we appreciate your patronage. And, yeah, we'll be back at you with another regular episode Sunday night. And then we're going to do our full-blown, big Answer Every Questions patron cast next week, probably on Thursday. So we'll get that scheduled soon, and we'll post it over on Patreon. You'll know all about it with plenty of time in advance so you could prepare your questions. Thank you all for supporting this episode and making this mailbag show happen. We appreciate your monthly support all the time and all your participation in our community. Thanks to those who showed up for the show live also. Very much appreciate that. Elon, anything else? That's it. Go watch Survivor, Brian. I hope you've already missed the first two minutes. I might as well just just get it later. I mean, I'll tell you what they said previously on Survivor. Well, I guess I don't want to spoil actually what happened on the last Survivor. Some people aren't caught up, but I can tell you exactly what's and then they're gonna like show oh no, but then they do actually show a little thing before the pre-credits. You better get to watching. So go for it. Bye everyone. Bye.